Welcome to our channel. As you take your time to listen to God's word today with us, we believe and pray that this sermon will be a blessing for you as well as your family. Church, we are starting a new series called Keep the Change. Turn, the, uh, turn to the person sitting next to you, look at them and tell them, keep the change. Keep the change. Now look at them and tell them again, you did not give me any change. <laughs> All right. So why this series and why are we starting this new series called Keep the Change? You know, when life circumstances many times forces us to rethink about our finances, 70%, this is what the statistic says, 70% of any population in any part of the world are 90% of the time worrying about money. You got that? 90% of the time the worry is about money. Either they're thinking about how to make money or they're thinking about, oh, you, you, I spent all the money or they're thinking about how do I manage for the rest of the week or they're thinking about what opportunities I can get. So it's all driven towards finances. If you are here and say, oh, I don't think about money, don't lie. Yeah. All right. We do. Students, they think about money because they don't have it. Can I hear an amen? amen? Hey, what? Only students here? Okay. So no matter where you are in your financial journey, the question is, is it possible to honor God with money? Now, many uh, pastors or churches or believers would say, oh, church talks about money. Yes, of course, church should talk about money. Church will talk about money. In fact, it is your pastor who should talk about money to you because there are three major um, you know, uh, factors that makes many people fall into sin. And the three major factors are money, power, and sex. Money, power, and sex. Money is, has been a, one of the biggest driving force for many people to fall into sin. Power, the need to be in power, the need to be in charge, the need to wanting to be successful so they can control and be dominating. And again, the attraction to the opposite sex. These three things has always been the factors that the devil has used for anybody to fall down. You look throughout the history. People who have done well and all of a sudden they fell down. They always fall into these three categories. Either they handled the money wrong, or they were too uh, eager for uh, power and possession, or they fell into sexual sin. It's always political, anywhere, church, outside church, families, everywhere, you look around. So as a church, we are going to talk about money. The reason we are going to talk about money is because the Bible talks about money a lot. In fact, there are more parables about money than heaven and hell. Did you know that? Did you know that? There are more parables that talks about money than heaven and hell. So this is going to help you to handle finances God's way so that you will not fall into the temptations of the possessions, but rather you will become godly stewards of what God has for our lives. And I believe for the next few weeks, as we learn together what the Bible says about finances, we are going to gain some good perspective, biblical perspective. We are going to gain some practical tools that will give you the freedom to say, 
keep the change, brother. Are you with me? So welcome to the new series, Keep the Change. Amen. Are you excited? Whether you're excited or not, it does not matter. I'm going to preach this anyway. Bible is a countercultural book. Today, if you look at money, if you look at possessions, if you look at uh, earning things based on cultural perspective, and if you follow culture, if you follow society, if you follow the so-called principles of the culture, your results will also be based on the culture. You see, 70% to 80% of the society and culture is a broken culture. The reason it's a broken culture is because it is not built on the word of the Lord. So anything that is not built on the word of the Lord is broken. Everybody agree with me? If you agree, say amen. amen. So if you want to follow the Redeemer, we got to follow what the Bible says. If you want your finances to be redeemed, you got to follow the Redeemer so that you will have redeeming effects in your finances. Not cultural effects in your finances. So this morning, I want to talk to you about four lies the culture tells about money. Everybody's ready? Say it after me. Four lies the culture tells about money. You know, John 8, 12, it says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. My prayer this morning is that all of us when it comes to finances, handling money and possessions and assets, I pray that God will help you to walk in light and not in darkness. I pray that you will continue to live a life where you say, oh, when, it, when I think about money, it's just, it's just blind for me. It's just darkness for me. No, we have a word of God that is ready to help us not to walk in darkness, but to have the light of life. How many of you are ready to receive the light of life into your finances? Can I hear an amen? amen? Here's a line number one. The culture tells when it comes to money. You deserve to have what they have. You deserve to have. Everybody say after me. You deserve to have what they have. Everything that you see around you, all the marketing, advertisement, everything is the, this is the narrative this is what is going around this is their language this is the lie that is embedded into every demand that is created across this world and we are constantly thinking that we deserve to have what they have the society is stuff and material centered we live in a culture where people are attached to things attached to stuff if somebody else has it and you don't have it, all of a sudden you feel like you are lesser. Has anybody felt that? Has anybody felt that? Okay, if you not felt that, go to an Indian wedding. <laughs> you will see Joy Alukas there. You will see all the showroom, all the silks, everything. Is the place to showcase what you have. <laughs> and culture has made it that way. And it's a place where you're like, and, and especially 
Husbands, they start praying, oh my goodness, I don't know who's going to turn up there wearing what. After we come back home, oh, did you see her sari? She went and bought it from that place. I told you to take you to that place last week. You did not take me. You take me. There's another wedding coming next week. We live in a culture where it's constantly, you deserve to have it because they have it. You deserve to own it because they own it. You deserve to fight for it because they have got it. Majority of the people are living in brokenness. Nobody knows how they got it. Nobody prints a bank statement and walks around showing how much their balance is in the minus and how much loan and EMI and what are the things that they're carrying. But everybody wants to show outside that it's nice and good and flashy. Because we live in a society where you want to show your identity based on what you have. That's the first lie of the devil. And as Christians, as believers, we need to break free from this demon-possessed culture. You heard me right. It's a demon-possessed culture that says, if you have this, then you are this. No, no, no. Your identity is not based on what you possess. Come on, somebody. If you agree with me, say amen. amen. It's okay to have nice things. I'm not saying look miserable. I'm not saying look poor. I'm not saying go and tear your nice clothes and go like paridabams. And look miserable. No, it's okay to have nice stuff. But don't let your nice stuff have you. The question you've got to ask yourself is, can you live without it? And if you can't genuinely answer in your heart that you can't live without it, then we are serving the stuff. Matthew 6, 24, it says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. If you are God's people, you are created to worship God. This temptation, devil brought it to even to Jesus. Oh, I won't be, Pastor, I'm, I'm a very humble person. <laughs> I don't get tempted by money and all. It's, it, it's at my feet. The other day I saw a wallet full of money. I immediately obeyed God. The Bible says that I need to thank God at all times. <laughs> I'm very humble. I took it and I said, thank you, Lord. And I walked on. Even Jesus had the temptation where the devil comes and says, I will give you all these possessions. If only you will, bow down and worship me. What does money do? What does when you identify yourself to the stuff that you have and you constantly look at yourself through the things that you have, the devil is robbing your worship. Don't let the devil rob your worship that belongs to God. And we got to be extremely careful about this as Christians. It's so easy. It's a fine line. It's a thin line. It's a hairline. It is not so obvious. But we can easily fall into the trap of worshipping 
the wrong master. Comparison will either make you feel inferior or superior. If you don't have what they have, then automatically what are you doing? You're comparing yourself. You either feel, if you have it, you feel superior. That is also dishonoring God. And you don't have it, you feel inferior. That is also dishonoring God. You start looking at everyone else. You look at social media, you look at Instagram, you look at Facebook. And you compare yourself and you let other things and other people steal your joy. No one can win the game of comparison because somebody will always be higher than you and somebody will always be lower than you. We are not called to do the comparison. So how can you overcome this lie? What does the Bible say? The Bible says, live with the heart of gratitude. Everybody say gratitude. Gratitude is not just what God has given us but gratitude is for what God has entrusted us. What God has entrusted us. Your money is not what God has given you. Giving you, just take it lightly. But when you understand that the possessions, the money, the wealth, everything that God has given you, your business, your job, your career, everything, God has entrusted you with it. Which means the ownership belongs to God but he trusted that you will take care of it. That's the biblical view. And so, you are thankful to God because something belongs to you. No, no, no. You don't thank God, oh, thank you, Lord, I, this is now mine. No, that's pride. <laughs> you know, you can be pride in, even in gratitude. You can have a pride spirit even in gratitude. Right? If you, if you, if all of us are, oh, can you, brother, can you be Lord? I thank you, Lord, for the car. I thank you that it goes in five, it's a five-speed gear. Thank you for the gearbox. Thank you that it's a two-liter TDI, six-core engine. I don't know if anybody has it here, Lord, but thank you, Lord, that I have it. It almost looked like gratitude. But it's not. Are you with me, church? Gratitude is not to what you have. Gratitude is what he has entrusted you with. Your gratitude is saying, God, thank you for trusting me even though I don't deserve to be trusted. Thank you for trusting me with another child. Thank you for trusting me with, an, uh, with a new job. Thank you for trusting me with a new business opportunity. Thank you for trusting me with a new home. Thank you, Lord, for trusting me with education with college, with Bishop Heber. I just felt the Holy Spirit left this side of the room. <laughs> so how can you overcome that lie? Gratitude. Be thankful for what God has entrusted you with. And second thing is humility. Practice humility. This is what Rick Warren says. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. I am a broom, I am a stick, I am a mop. No, God did not make broom, stick and mop. He made human being in his image. So humility is not thinking less of yourself, but it is thinking of yourself less. You got it? It is thinking of yourself less. In other words, humility is thinking about others more than yourself. In every situation you step in, how can I serve? 
How can I give? How can I make this situation better? How can I serve this person? Not with what I have, but I am here right now. And just me being here and the God in me can do something in this person's life. Even though I am moody, I have a headache, I don't want to be here. But I still want to put the other person's need over mine. And serve. Somebody shout amen. Amen. That's humility. And carry contentment in your heart. The culture says, oh, if you have the spirit of contentment, it means you are lazy. The moment you're content, you're lazy. No, again, that's a lie of the devil. Contentment doesn't equalize laziness. Contentment doesn't equalize to apathy. Contentment means you have the peace of God whether you have things or you don't have things. You choose peace more than opportunity. If this job is going to bring chaos to the peace of my family, to the peace of my marriage, to the peace of my children, I let go even though they pay me a million dollars. I choose peace. You see where you're placing the value? The value is not on the money. The value is not on the job. The value is not on the opportunity. Because let me tell you, every man-made opportunity will come to an end. Everything that God has given you, God will sustain you. Your husband, your wife, your family, your children, it is God-given and God will sustain that. Don't let this culture and this market drive you mad saying that the bigger the opportunity, your family is going to be better. No, that's a lie of the devil. You are sacrificing peace, joy. And you might think you have it all to come back to find out you have a family that has created a deep sense of aversion towards you because you were not there. I'd rather be a present father than a rich father. Hello? Can all the fathers say amen to that? Oh my God, we want more rich fathers in this church, I guess. I'd rather be a present father than a rich father. I'd rather be a father that is biblical rather than I have it all. That's important. That's important. And we need to, see that's why 1 Timothy 6, 6 says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. It does not say godliness with Lot of money. It does not say godliness with giftedness. It does not say godliness with possessions. It says godliness with contentment is a great gain. Which means that no matter how hard you work and you think you can gain something, but without contentment, you will lose it all. You will lose it all. But when you have content in the Lord, you will gain more than what your hard work can pay you. I know you don't believe in this, but you will open your eyes. You will open your eyes to see that this is the truth. The Bible, God's word, principles, is not changed by culture. Amen? That was just lie number one, by the way. We have three more lies to go. Everybody say, it's sweating here. Lie number two. You don't need anyone else. If you want to go get it, just go for it. 
You don't need anyone else. That's the line number two that the culture is teaching us. That it, be a go-getter. Even if that means that you've got to lose your family, lose relationships, lose people, just go for it. If you want this is your dream, then just go get it done. Again, that's a lie a, by a demon-possessed culture. Luke 12, 7, you know, God beautifully says this because God says this, hey, I know you and I know where you need to be and I know how you need to be. In order to go through the details of it, God just beautifully says it in Luke 12, 7, in just one word, he says, indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. The very hairs of your head are all numbered. So a lot of people, uh, especially men, have taken it uh, as their personal responsibility to reduce God's job of keeping count of the hair. So they have sacrificed it all. <laughs> God, how many hair you will count? Huh? Let me take mine off so that you can relax a little bit, at least one person down. I am joining that list too. And it says, don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. In other words, what God is saying is, I know every integral detail about you, even things that you don't know about yourself. God says, I know everything about you, but you are worth more than you think you are worth. And the truth is, God knows it all. And the sad part is, this culture, this mindset of you can be independent, you deserve to be happy all the time. Who said you deserve to be happy all the time? Tell me, who said you deserve to be happy all the time? It's not possible. We are not wired to be that way. But we hear these things online, social media, Instagram, Facebook, and you took a screenshot. Not only you take screenshot, you will send it to 100 people. Now they all think that, oh, they all deserve to be happy at all times. So now, if you're not happy, then something is wrong with you. Just small challenge comes into your life, automatically, oh, I think I'm going through depression. Ade, you just dropped a pen, just pick it up. Life has become so sensitive because there's lies that are fed into our mind. You deserve to get what you want. You deserve to follow your dreams. Because you worked so hard, you deserve to spend it all. Oh, I go to work and I earn all the money. She sits at home and looks after the children. I have more control over money because I worked hard. I make more money than her. I make more money than him. As a woman, I should never depend on a man. Can I hear an amen, sisters? That's a lie. Lies after lies after lies that the devil has embedded into the culture. And the sad part is Christians are believing this and we are bringing this I don't need anyone else attitude into marriage. You know why 70% of the marriages are ending up in divorce? It's because the more materialistic culture we live in, there are more divorces. In fact, couples have been happy when they did not have dining table and they sat on the floor to eat together. Anybody remember those times? But then dining table came, sofa set came, 
TV came, along TV, it's Smart TV came. Smart TV came, Netflix came. Amazon Prime came. Everything came. Now one person is eating on sofa, another is eating on dining table, and one is still in the toilet. <laughs> Isn't this a reality? I don't want to joke around and talk, oh, we live in a perfect culture, we have a perfect God, everything is perfect at home. No. Christians are as much broken as how the society is. And that's not how God meant it to be. And it gives me, you know, it, it shows through the word that we are not called to live like that. Christian marriages are not supposed to be like that. Pastor, how do we fix that? Can I tell you? Join your bank accounts. I just felt the Holy Spirit leave <laughs> for the entire church. <laughs> oh God. Join your bank accounts. Join your salary accounts. Both of you, put it together. If God has seen, God cannot bless what's divided. Are you with me, church? If God put, you two are one. Yes, we will be one, but we will have two accounts. There's nothing wrong to have two personal accounts, but not with the mindset saying, oh, it's mine. I made it. I'll have it. You made it. You have it. Only when it comes to buying diapers, we will spend together. <laughs> no. How can you expect? God cannot say, oh, today I'm going to be on the husband's side and bless him. Next week I'll be on the wife's side and bless her. Do you think God operates like that? God leaves where there is a spirit of division. There's no blessing of God there. And you are trying to strive in your own effort. People think I am crazy right now for even saying such things in 2023. But let me tell you something. This is the word of the Lord. And it does not change. Instagram doesn't pay you. But they change your values if you constantly follow it. One youth clapped. Youth pastor. <laughs> Bring it together. So that you know what's coming in. Budgeting is important. We're going to talk more about budgeting next week. But budgeting is super important. Some people think, oh, budget, budget is, I don't like that word. <laughs> budget is for the poor people. Well, you're rich, huh? <laughs> what, you're driving a private jet or what? You don't. You're as poor and broken as everybody else. Hello, somebody. Budgeting is for poor people. I feel the spirit of the Lord just working in this room. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's not a bad practice because budgeting tells you or you will tell through budgeting where your money should go. Otherwise, you are wondering every month where the money went. Simple. So when you are married, your couple, bring all the money together in one pot. Sit and pray together. Give what belongs to God first. Budget everything else, including your savings. And also, if you want, of course, everybody has personal expenses. From the central pot, then put what is going to go for your personal expenses. Talk through. Communicate. Depend on each other. God created us to be in community 
and to depend on each other. He did not create us to be independent spirited people. Are you with me? So in a marriage, if the husband is depending on the wife, then automatically the wife is depending on the husband. And it's not a wrong thing. (laughs) It's the love story, guys. That's the most romantic thing. That's the most beautiful thing about being married. But, you know, culture has said, oh, women, (laughs) do not let your husband tell you when you will wake up. Do not let your husband drive you. Again, men also, oh, I make all the money. I am the man. And I will decide how I will spend it. Women, can I say something? Ask him every day where the money is, what he did with it, and where it has gone, and how much is left. It is biblical to ask your man. And all the husbands said? Oh, I know you won't say it. Did everybody say? Because your partners, your partners, your partners, just because you're a housewife doesn't mean that you labored less. In fact, you released him to do what he is doing out there, without which it's impossible for him to do what he's supposed to do. Come on, Aspire, give me some love here. It's true. So his labor and his fruits is also equally your fruits. Wives, listen to this. It's also equally your fruits. And you both are called to steward that in godly way. There's another lie. He makes, I will spend. (laughs) You're called to steward together. Amen? So budgeting is important. There are a lot of money tendencies that is out there. And people say, you know, some are spenders, some are savers, some lives in abundance, some lives in scarcity, some likes quality, some likes quantity, uh, some likes things, some likes experiences, but whatever it is, sit down, talk to each other, pray together, and make godly decisions together for your money. Amen? If you don't pray together about finances, you will have a lot of money fights. There are fights, and then there are money fights. And you know it's painful when you go through that. So it's really important you sit together, you pray, and you decide. Because if God has given your family leader a vision, women, partner with him in the vision. Don't create a new vision. Because a new vision within a vision is called a division. You with me? So partner with him, walk with him, pray with him, enable him, and know that God is on your side. And single people, you might be wondering, hey, pastor, it's nice, but I don't have a wife yet. I'm praying for a doctor, so she'll bring in the money. Let me tell you something. While you are single, have the trusted biblical friends. Bold, italic, quote, underlined, red, trusted, biblical friends who you can stay accountable about your money while you're single. Learn to handle money while you're single. Pastor, (laughs) I love to handle money if I had it. (laughs) 
Whatever you have, learn to handle that. Learn to handle and be generous in that. Line number three. Many people believe this, that you are your mistake. Many people have, would have made, you know, money mistakes. Wrong decisions that you have made in your finances in the past. But let me tell you why God's grace is sufficient for you to make a turnaround and start something fresh. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, you are a new creation. The old has gone, the new is here. This doesn't mean the old debt has gone and the new debt has come. You understand? You got to have a new mindset about money, new perspective about money, and also understand that your identity is not in your net worth. That's the lie of the devil again in the culture. Everybody's talking about what's your net worth, what's your net, what's your net worth. And, and we constantly Google top 10 rich uh, people in the world. Top 10 rich people in, in, uh, in India. Top 10 rich people. What is their net worth? What is their net worth? And then you look at their net worth and you go, ah, I don't think I can ever be that. Your self-worth is not in your net worth. Let me say that again. Your self-worth is not in your net worth. That's the lie of the culture where you think that your worth and yourself is based on how much you possess. We all make mistakes. When we make mistakes, grace comes into play. Make wise decisions. Be wise stewards. But never attach your self-worth based on how you're growing financially. It's not like, oh, I don't have my own land. But now I've got my own land. Now God must be pleased with me. No. Oh, now I am, have my own house. I'm a better Christian. No, 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 no. Our worth is not attached to materialistic things. Our worth is attached to the relationship that we have in Jesus Christ. No matter what. Can I hear an amen? And here is line number four. Are you ready for this? You only live once, YOLO. That's what culture says. It's kind of true, right? It is true, you only live once. But culture says, you, you only live once, do whatever you want, however you want. And Bible says, you live only once, live it like Christ wants it. That's the truth. Yeah, you can clap good. That's the truth. Proverbs 13.22 says, A good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children, but a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. You could have it all. You can claim it all. You can go through this cultural life saying, Oh, I only live once. Let me enjoy it. Let me enjoy it. Let me do it my way. You will not handle your life and steward your life God's way. God has called us into a tangible relationship. He cares about every part of your life. God is not a one who trying to control your money. He's giving you a freedom. A freedom to do what you can do. But if you fail in it, He will pull you back. Just like how we do it with our children. I give Zion the freedom 
as much as she can be she can enjoy the freedom but there is a little rope a rope of love that is tied to her from me i give as much as she can go but if she fails in something if she makes you know wrong use of that freedom there is this rope that i can pull her back with and say hey that was wrong that's not how we live that's not how we do it and that rope is good for her because you see a rope is got a lot of different small threads small small threads knitted together and you see those threads that are knitted together has made this strong and this is our relationship with Jesus where we have to be knitted together with him through the word the work of the holy spirit and through faith and we are knitted together with Christ and there's a rope that is tying it and it gives us a safe space it gives us a trust it gives us uh, opportunities that are god driven it gives us spaces and and things and and even materialistic blessings that god entrusts us with he puts it at, he puts it out there he says hey i know you have come to a season in life you have been faithful in the little things so i'm going to give you much and he extends it out and if we mess it up he pulls us back and corrects us through the word and that's why you have a lot of things knitted together you know the 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 work of the holy spirit the word god's people good mentorship being in a church it's making it strong but when you try to live a life according to the lies of the culture go get what you want do whatever you can you only live once so live as you know live the way you want it to be you can have what they have what you then end up with is the chains of the devil you see chain is a bondage money becomes bondage with jesus money is an opportunity to glorify him without jesus money becomes a stronghold in your life a stronghold in your life choose wisely choose wisely is it going to be an opportunity a rope of opportunity a rope of trust a rope of of faithfulness of god where you are attached to god or is it going to be a bondage deuteronomy 30 19 it says i call heaven and earth as witness against you that i have set before you life and death blessing and cursing therefore choose life choose life that both of you and your descendants when you in this generation choose to live a life where you are attached to god this is not a binding rope this is a loving rope that is a bondage chain is a bondage and god breaks every chain but we are tied to him in love in relationship in abundance and whatever he wants to give us he gives us that at the right time through the right way so my identity is not on the material things but in the one who has done it all for me and when you make that choice it's not just you 
your descendants, your coming generation is going to be blessed. Can you choose life, church? Thank you for listening to our sermon today. We hope that it was a blessing for you as well as your family. If you would like to support our ministry, you can do so by visiting kingcitychurch.org forward slash give. And if you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel, please subscribe and hit the bell icon to be notified on our upcoming sermon. We hope to see you next week with another inspiring sermon. Until then, God bless you all.